Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Tonight, uh, I want to speak about the healing power of God. And uh, it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, Luke's Gospel 13, verse, uh, verse 10, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could no way raise herself up. Now, before we carry on reading, I want you to understand that when it comes to healing, there is always this point in our lives that healing is is one of those key factors when we know we've just got to get something from God. And, you know, if it's finances, then you, you need, you know, we often pray, God, please help me. But the bottom line is we're thinking, what can I do to get more money? Oh, please help me. I need to get a job. There, there's, a, there's a lot in the sense of what we do to get, you know, we're asking God to just give us favor to get something. When it comes to healing, particularly those things that the doctors can't fix, we still need God. And there's a, there's, a, there's a real sense in, I can't do anything, but doctors can't do all of the things that we want them to. So actually, we still need God to do something so that we can be set free. And in this process, we understand that even if someone hasn't been in church before, we still understand that to be healed requires faith. It requires some point of exchange. You see, whenever Jesus walked around, for most of the time when he healed people, he healed them because of someone's faith. Actually, most of the time it was because of somebody else's faith, not the person who was there. Um, you know, often there was someone who was sick, but it was their it was their parent, it was their master, it was their friend that they would. There was on one occasion there were four guys who carried their mate um, to get him into a house to get him healed, and they couldn't get in the um, couldn't get in the doors. Any of the doors, too many people are in the house. Jesus is in the middle, and everyone's crowded in. So they ripped the roof off and just drop him through the roof. And uh, you can imagine the fella who owned the house. And you, you can imagine, right, who's paying the bill? Is it, how do we claim on insurance for this one? And uh, so it was his friends. There's a guy lying um, on a, in a bed. He's being crippled and, he, and he, wants to, he obviously wants to be healed, but it's his friend's faith. And there is an exchange of faith for healing. That when we come to Christ, we come to him and we make an exchange. We bring our faith and in that faith, there's an exchange for supernatural life and power. But tonight, I want to speak about something else that begins to take place as well. And in Luke 13, read on verse 12, it says, But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you're loose from your infirmity. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus is healed on the Sabbath, And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord Lord answered and said, hypocrite, 
Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Do you know, um, on a side note there, what I really like about Jesus is that um, in, in a modern world, we're, we're taught as Christians that we should always be nice and loving because in your loving, you just love everyone. And you just and you speak nicely to them, like like there's something slightly weird about you. You know when you see religious people and they're like ministers, etc., and they've got a dog collar and they have this really sort of calming voice. Actually, anyone who's got a calming voice, you want to slap them around a bit, don't you? You just say, "Get alive, get real. What is wrong with you? Something's definitely wrong with you. You're, you're doing the drugs again. It's up the back, you know." Yeah, and uh, so. <laughs> And it's like there's something wrong with people. They're just always nice. Jesus wasn't always nice. When it came to religious people, in fact, when it came to people who were wrong, he gave them a piece of his mind. He even told them, he gave them, he could think of as many rude things to say about them. He would say it. He would call them as many rude, he he would invent rude names to think, uh, to to, um, descriptions of how awful they are. And he would just unload on them everything they were doing wrong and that's what makes Jesus so cool because he never sinned and he still gave people a verbal beating and I think that's cool isn't it because you know what some people need a verbal beating from time to time and I want you to know if Jesus said it's okay let's go do it and uh, (laughs) anyway moving on before I get into trouble (laughs) Here is a woman who's been healed. But this healing is slightly different in the sense that it's a Sabbath day and Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. The way it used to work, you'd turn up at the synagogue and if they like the look of you, you got to teach. And Jesus was pretty good. Everyone wanted to hear what he had to say. And so it was his turn to have a teaching session. So Jesus gets up to teach. in the synagogue and in the synagogue was this woman and a woman who for 18 years had been bound the Bible says by a spirit of infirmity so she had a sickness upon which no kind of other kind of medication or anything could help something upon which the doctors of the day couldn't fix do you know what the reality is there are many people who struggle with things which medicine can't fix even today and you know the, what the Bible called it? A spirit of infirmity. And here is a woman. She's in there and Jesus looks across and he sees this woman who is sick and he brings her out and he heals her. Now, he doesn't heal her because of her faith that we know of. We know that she has faith. She's in the synagogue on the Sabbath. So clearly she has a devoted heart to be in the house of God when the teaching's taking place that she might connect more with God, right? She's, she's, she's put in that kind of effort. But here is a woman, especially someone who, who, whose vision of life most of the time is the floor. Here she is bent double. The only advantage of, of being, uh, being bent double is that you get to find all the change that everyone's lost. <laughs> Other than that, you're in trouble. And here she is, her life is, is, is bound by this spirit of infirmity. And we don't know, there is no 
particular point of exchange. She's just in the congregation and Jesus looks at her and he pulls her out. There's no claim of faith. She doesn't have any friends saying, will you heal, heal her? She hasn't cried out to be healed, but Jesus pulls her out. On other occasions, Jesus healed. In fact, sometimes Jesus healed thousands of people just because he loved them. And the Bible says, and Jesus was moved with compassion. Sometimes he just couldn't help himself. He just had to go healing everyone. And it was his love for people that caused him to to heal. And it was his own exchange of love that he used his own love to exchange with supernatural power in heaven and was able to release power over thousands of people and see them healed. But on this occasion, it doesn't even say Jesus was moved with compassion. And so here is a woman healed and she's healed by a different line of authority. In other words, Jesus healed her by, by, by what means? By what authority? You know, you've got to have authority to shift something. You know, here is a woman bound. How did he get rid of that which was binding her? How did he, and we know that he has authority of himself, but, but here is this, this woman bound. What was her, what was the right that Jesus had? And here we find that she was simply a child of God. In other words, her healing came by her legal right. That she was just, it was just legally hers. She's just a child of God. She's in church. She's loving God. And here she is and she's coming along. She's bound. And Jesus looks at this woman and he sees that she shouldn't be bound because she is a child of God. You've got to understand that it's your legal right to be healed. That sometimes you're trying to, people are trying to work up enough faith like you're trying to move that constipation. <laughs> you want that thing to pop, but it won't. <laughs> you know, maybe that's the wrong analogy. <laughs> Moving on. You see, faith... And sometimes we, we want to generate faith. But we, what we have to understand is we've got to lay claim of what is rightfully ours. If something's rightfully yours, then you've got to take a hold of it. If you own something and you see someone walk away from with what you've got, you're going back over and say, oh, give that back to me. That's mine. I remember traveling through the airport on one occasion. I saw a guy with a bag identical to mine. And I, just for a minute there, I thought he'd taken my bag. I was just about to go and beat the life out of him in my brain. I don't think I stood a chance, but in my brain I did. And I was going to, and I suddenly realized, no, I've got my bag on me. Okay, moving on. <laughs> that was a close shave. <laughs> Give him a clout round the ear. Oi! You know, see, when something is. <laughs> When something is legally yours, it is your right to go and take it. Now, Jesus saw this woman, but she didn't know what was rightfully hers. And so Jesus is looking at what is hers and saying, this isn't right. She's been robbed for 18 years. I'm going to give back to her what is hers. But she is in a place where religion has begin to, begun to restrict her opportunity and has constrained her to living with her infirmity. 
And yet it was the very place, the synagogue was the very place where she should be set free from the, from the, the, the enemy. And yet it became the very place where she wasn't allowed to be set free from the enemy. It's amazing how religion will stop you from moving on in God. The, the, the enemy uses religious tradition. He uses the, the form of man to, that replaces the presence of God. That you come, and you know what? Don't think that coming to a church like this means that you're not religious. Hello? You know what? <laughs> you know what makes you religious is when you go through the actions of church but you don't pursue the one who brought you there. You do the form, but you don't have the life. And there have been many times in, our, in my life, and I know that every single person who finds himself in the house of God, you will always face this challenge. Will I just sing the songs, listen to the message, nod and go back and think about the food I'm going to eat when I get home? the cup of coffee what am I going to do I'm just going to survive the next hour hour and a half I'm just doing this it's a nice I'm going to say hi to my mates we're going to have a nice time and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to find out whether Federer or Djokovic won or not who won I don't actually know do we know Djokovic now you've ruined it (laughs) I'm just going to go home and find out that's what I was thinking about yeah. Yeah, Murray one. Yay. You see, we have to understand that Jesus came to set a woman free bound, but spirit of religion was empowering the spirit of the enemy. In other words, tradition and form was binding, that, stopping that opportunity of stepping into a place of freedom. Here was a woman bound by a spirit. We don't know how she got the spirit. We don't know why she got it. Jesus doesn't care. He's not interested. He, didn't, he doesn't say to her what has happened or why this. He just says she's a child of God. She shouldn't have it. 18 years the enemy has robbed her. It's got to come up for life. You know, I want to tell you something. The enemy have, may have robbed you of many years of your life, but it's time to know you have a legal right to be set free. Jesus came to set her free. It was her legal right to be free. It says here in John's Gospel, chapter 8, And verse 32, it says this, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered and said, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. That's stupid right there. What a bunch of religious, moronic freaks right there. Come on, we've never been in bondage to anyone. Of course you have. You've been in bondage to just about everyone for the last 500, was it, thousand years since... Since uh, King uh, Solomon, and they've been in bondage to just about everybody. <laughs> but the spirit of religion will make you think that everything's fine while the world is falling in chaos around you. Hello? Just a point. Sorry, getting a little excited. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say... You will be made free. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to, you, say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, 
but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. You see, the son, Jesus Christ, came to make you an inheritor of spiritual freedom. He came to break the bondage. And the bondage that came from the enemy actually came from, came by and was empowered by religious form and function rather than the liberating faith. And liberating faith is found in the hearts of those who run after God, who just go beyond church function, church meetings. You can go, we put on a lot of meetings. We've got 30 different departments running in this church. You can bet your life there's a lot of meetings. There's a lot of this and a lot of that and a lot of phone calls. And, and that, you know what? All of those things, the function of those things are important so that we can touch people's lives. But, but doing that doesn't earn you any extra gold stars in heaven. What you need is a heart that pursues God. That understands it is your legal right to be free. Don't let religion rob you. Don't, let, don't make an exchange. Don't say, oh, well, you know, you know I've got all these problems, but, but I'm, just going to, I'm just going to go to church. It's good to be in the house of God. See, in the house of God, this is where the woman got set free. He wants you to be in the house of God, but he wants you to know in the house of God, you've got to connect with him. I remember as a kid, we lived in a house called Zor Villa. And Zor Villa was the, was the house that used to be the manse for the strict Baptist chapel 200 yards up the road. And Zor is a very, it's the, it's the name of a city in the Old Testament uh, that people would run and escape to if, they had, um, if their life was in danger. The committee said they would run to Zor and they were safe in Zor. And, uh, so, but it sounds very somber, doesn't it? Zor. Zor Villa. Z-O-A-R. Zor Villa. And uh, so we lived in Zor, and there was Zor Strict Baptist Chapel up the road. And it was a really somber place. And everyone who went to that particular, we never went to that chapel because it was too severe, even for my own parents. And they were severe. And so, and, and uh, they were raising, and this is how severe. On a Sunday, people would walk, they would have their special Sunday clothes. How many of you remember a time when you had Sunday clothes? Oh, yeah, that was cool, wasn't it? And... Uh, because they would last for years. You only wore them one day a week. And, uh, <laughs> and you wore them. I, I mean, I had Sunday clothes as a kid. And I would wear them for years and years and years until the trousers came from here up to here. And then I had to get new ones. And uh, so we had Sunday, uh, Sunday clothes. But they had very special Sunday clothes. They were very somber suits. And the women wore very long dresses with very big hats. And then because it was a Sunday, they had to walk more slowly. Literally, and they would walk, and they were actually weren't allowed to do anything else but to walk slowly. It's the only activity allowed on a Sunday. And so they would go to church, and they would go in, and they would have church, and they would have a packed lunch with them, made the day before, because you're not allowed to make it on a Sunday. And so they would go to church, they would have a packed lunch, and they would come out, and they would walk past our house like this. No, men behind, hands behind, isn't it? And, and then they would have to pull a deep respectful face the sort of face that says they respect the Lord 
and sort of that somber face. It's the sort of face that you would pull if you were going to a funeral of a person you didn't know very well. And because you didn't know them very well, you've, you kind of want everybody else to know, feel like they don't know who you are and you want them to know that you're being respectful, so you pull that face. And you don't mean it, of course. You just want everybody else to think you're being respectful. So there's all these people walking around. And that was... And it was horrible. It was horrible church. And they would have this horrible, awful singing. This terrible wailing would go on. And you just... It was women singing, mostly. You never really heard the men. And then it would... And they would have church. And then they would all sort of pile out, shake hand with the, with the minister. And then once they were out of sight, they probably floored the car out of the side of the church let's get out of here and that was that was church and then when the minister died people stopped coming and the next generation nobody goes to the church anymore you know why because they forgot the reason for going to church what are you going why would you go it was the most awful painful experience my parents took us there on a couple of occasions when they couldn't get enough fuel afford enough fuel in the van to get us off to another church and so because we had to go to church on a Sunday we would have to walk up the road it would be no please do something to us crucify us or something I would prefer to suffer some martyrdom. You know, have my hands chopped off. Something awful. I don't want to go to this terrible place. And we would have to go. And this was a spirit. It was just religion. And now it doesn't exist. Because there was no reason for it to exist. Because it was just religion. And no one got saved. And no one got healed. And no one got set free. And no one found the presence of God. And no one, and a whole generation of people passed by, put themselves through agony and left, only going to impress the person next to them to make that other person think that they were holy. When, of course, they weren't holy. They were no different to anybody else. See, that's what religion keeps you bound. But Jesus says to this Pharisee who says, you can't do that on a Sunday. You can't do, sorry, on a Saturday. You can't do that on a Sabbath. Jesus turns and he says, the Sabbath, this is the perfect place. This is the day of rest. This is the day of meeting with Christ. This is the day of meeting with God. This is the day of fellowshipping with Him. And so He comes and He takes a hold of this woman and He sets her free and He declares that we have a legal right to be free. It says in John 1 verse 12, it says, But as many as received Him, to them he gave the right. Everyone say right. He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. We have a right to be children of God. Now, you've got to understand this. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, ha- he doesn't have a, a thousand hills counted. I, I own that hill, that hill that hill and that hill. It's a poetic expression that God owns everything. He has all wealth. He has all resource. He has all love. He has all power. He has all life. And we are his children. Have you ever wondered, I used to wonder as a kid, what would it be like growing up in a rich house? Who used to wonder that? When you're a kid growing up, because you saw rich kids, didn't you? You you saw the rich kids and you looked at them. We grew up in a poor house, a really poor house. 
And we grew up in a poor family, and everything we wore was secondhand, often thirdhand. And um, being the youngest of six, it was also pretty well worn by the time it got to me. And that was, that was, my, that was my life. That was my upbringing. And then you'd see the rich kids. And the rich kids, even the nice ones, right, they just wore nicer clothes. You know, they just had something nicer and they had just nicer opportunities and nicer things and a nicer... Now, because it's the world and not the kingdom of God, they probably never had a necessarily a nicer family. They could have just had a nice family. It might have been a horrible family. Who would I, how would I ever know? But I just saw the stuff that they had and I wanted it. And, uh, but the Bible says you have the right to be a child of God. Now, a child of God isn't about having stuff. It's about having God. And having God gives you the power to be set free from the things which the enemy has bound your life. And tonight, I want us to come to a place where we begin to put our foot down and say, enough is enough. I am inheriting everything that belongs to me. When my parents died, we inherited what belonged to them because it was rightfully mine. Had to share it six ways, bit annoying. <laughs> Having so many brothers and sisters, that's when you wished you was a lone child. And, uh, <laughs> but you, you've got to understand that it, what is rightfully mine is rightfully mine. It's mine. You've got to understand that, that God has given us everything of the kingdom of God, you have been given the right to be his child. You've been given the right. And Jesus healed this woman because it was simply her legal right. She had been denied a right of freedom for 18 years. And Jesus said, enough is enough. Stand up. Why don't we... begin to open up our hearts and begin to lay claim within our life of everything that we've allowed, we've settled within our heart that we wouldn't be free, that we couldn't be free, that we couldn't inherit, that we couldn't change. What is it within your life that you've settled for less because you've lived for so many years? Some of you might have said, but I, uh, I've been wrestling with this for, for so many years. You've got to remember this woman... I'm sure she didn't take her she didn't take it she would have cried out to God she would have something in her heart would have been how does I don't want to be like this but Jesus came to impart the kingdom and say you are a child of God you're a child of Abraham this is rightfully yours I'm going to give it to you now we have Jesus Christ in our life when you ask Jesus to come into your life, you receive the right to become a child of God. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.